Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. This morning we're going to uh, finish our series from the prophets of Elijah and Elisha. And then uh, next Sunday morning, we're going to share in communion together. So I invite you next Sunday to be here and uh, we'll share in communion service as we do the uh, third uh, Sunday uh, every other month at our church. I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles this morning to 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. And uh, we are going to... Uh, jump over some of the events that uh, took place in the life of the prophets. We began this series in August, and uh, today we're going to com- conclude with uh, the death of the prophet Elisha. So let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open our Bibles now, we pray your hand of a blessing upon each person here as our thoughts may be turned toward you, and we may give a serious thought to your word and that we may apply it to our lives. And in this week to come, we might live by it, and that people will know that we have the hope of the gospel in our hearts because you loved us. Bless this time now, and bless our children, our young people, uh, as they are meeting with their leaders. We pray for those in our early childhood department, and as your word goes forth, uh, might these young lives also be blessed by your word, and may they walk with you this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 13, we, uh, the last mention of Elisha, the prophet, is in chapter 9. And we have lots of uh, history that takes place that you could take some time to uh, read um, on your own. But we come to chapter 13 and verse 14. Now, Elisha was suffering from the illness, 2 Kings 13, 14. Elisha was suffering from the illness from which he died. We could say he's suffering, the storyline is, the illness from which he is going to die. Joash, Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. It's interesting to me that uh, these kings who... We're in a mostly adverse situation with Elisha and Elisha. Um, They were the ones that they often were the receiving end of the um, criticism, the the, uh, proclamations, the warnings because of what they were doing. And this king, like those before him, you'll see, did not walk in the ways of his father David, was not a righteous man, was a sinful man. And yet... It's interesting to see this relationship that these prophets had with the kings of Israel, that even in this particular case where this, this king who was not a good man, who was not a good leader, when Elisha is going to die, he comes and he, and he cries over him, and, he, and he, I'm sure and he wept over him, and, and, he, and he cries out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Now, if you were with us earlier this year when we began this study, you might remember this phrase, the the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Do you remember where we heard that before? Anybody? The death of Elijah. 
Well, the, the, those, whatever happened with Elijah, we had to talk about whether he was taken to heaven, whether he was taken somewhere else. Regardless, he was gone. And when he was gone, um, Elisha, you know, cried out the, 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 the horse and the chariots of God, meaning that this is the presence of God. This is God is here in, in, in our midst with this man's word. And who is going to be with us now? Who is going to defend us? Where is our strength? He's gone. And the king of Israel, when, when Elisha the prophet is going to die, he likewise, and, and I don't know if the word spread that Elisha has said this about Elijah or what, but when he is going to die, he says the same thing. The chariots and, and the horsemen of Israel, the army of Israel is, is here. This is the king who depended on his army to protect him. But he says the army of Israel is here, Elisha. And he's weeping over the, over the prophet. He's crying out. He's his, his sorrowful. And look what Elisha says to him, this last interchange of Elisha before he dies. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so, as the king did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. So often the, the prophets were used by God to, to do things that were demonstrative, to do you know, a living uh, parable or allegory and and, and, for example, you know, you've got the, the prophet who had to marry a prostitute. And God said, you're, you're doing this, you're having children to show Israel how they have left me for another wife, the, the, gods, of Israel, the gods of the Baals. And you'll find the, the, you know, the, the prophet going to the potter's house and making things out of pottery and wearing clothes or not wearing clothes as an example of what God wants them to get the picture of. And so in this case, he says, put your hands on this, on this bowl. And he, and he did so. And I think they, and they did this together because you notice that Elisha put his hands over the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot the arrow. The, and, then, and then quote, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. This is a prophecy that they will win the battle. They will defeat their enemies. And then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. And he, that is the king, struck it three times. And it says here, he stopped. And a man of God was angry with him. You know, this is, you get the, the, the human element in these stories. The man of God, Elisha, is angry with him because it was sort of a half-hearted attempt. He said, he said, you take that and you strike the ground. And he took it and he did it just three times and he stopped. And, and, when he's, and when he stopped, the man of God was angry. He said, you should have struck the ground five or six times when you would have defeated the Aram completely and destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. And the, the king's half-hearted response to Elisha's command, it just seemed kind of odd. Take this and strike the ground. Okay, he takes it and strikes the ground. And, and Elisha says, you should have done that at least five or six times. And because of that, your victory is not going to be as complete as it would have been. And after this happened, verse 20, Elisha died and was buried. And the era of the prophets, Elijah and Elisha, come to an end. A very important era in Israel's history. An era when God was getting their attention with this, this enormous amount of miracles and, and, uh, and things that, that, that should have convince them that they should listen and the king should have listened and they should have responded and they should have repented and it should have been a change. 
And this is an era in Israel's history of Elijah and Elisha that is so important. Neither one of them wrote any biblical books. We do not have a book of Elijah or Elisha. But the things they said were recorded by the author of the kings. And, and, these, and these stories have come to us and their words have come to us. And as we come to the conclusion of this series, and then obviously Elisha's life is over, so we're done with Elijah and Elisha. But it made me think of this whole ministry of the prophets. The prophets of Israel. And I think, I just want to once again, as we started this series, remind you that we have some misconception about the prophets. We oftentimes relegate the prophets to a ministry of telling the future. Because that's sort of the common understanding in our language today. If I said you, this person claims to be a prophet, you would think in terms of, well, they think they can tell the future. They can tell you what's going to happen. The prophets of Israel did tell the future. But they told the future in response and in an effort to gain the attention of people to bring God's word. Prophets spoke the revelation of God by inspiration. This was the ministry of prophets. And the prophets, while it was an office, if you will, you know, in our church we have elders, we have committees made up of different committees of, of, of men. We have our deaconess committee. We have men and women on our mission committee, our worship committee. We have our trustee. We, know we have certain offices. We have a pastor. We have a youth pastor. We have a Christian ed um, director. We have an associate pastor. We have these offices, we call it, you could say. And the office of prophet did exist. But at the same time, it was a larger ministry. In fact, Going way back in the Old Testament, the, the people who received revelation from God are known as prophets. Moses was a prophet. Because it, Moses says to the people in Deuteronomy that God will raise up a prophet like me, and you better listen to him. We find out in the New Testament that final prophet raised up in that sense was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a prophet. Moses was a prophet. The Bible says David prophesied. These, these people held this position of speaking for God. The word prophecy means to speak forth for God. And I want us to, be, to remember today that the office of prophet, they spoke God's word to their people. We know in the New Testament, there were New Testament prophets. It was a gift that Paul uh, notes in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, you know, pastors, teachers... And we see there was this specific gift in the New Testament that, that we believe, and we'll talk about this, that we believe this, this gift has ended today in the sense of an office, of someone who can speak forth for God in terms of bringing revelation. And a very important passage, you can keep, I'd like you to go to this morning, is in Second Peter. You know, in, the, in Peter's epistle is a very, very well-known passage that has to do with the ministry of the prophets. And in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, the Apostle Peter, who was recipient of not only the ministry of the prophets, but himself was a prophet because he was an apostle who spoke for God. And in verse 19 of chapter 1 of 2 Peter, Peter says this, And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it. To pay attention to what? The word of the prophets. As to a light shining in a dark place. 
until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Beautiful imagery there. That the word of the prophets, that we have it made more certain by the completion of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find out the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as, as, the, as the final end of the Mosaic Law, bringing salvation and understanding of God's plan of redemption. And, and he, says, he says to these people, we, we have a more certain understanding of this. And he talks about it being like a light shine. This is the theme in the Bible, that God's Word is a light shining in a dark place. I've only, I've only been in my, in my life one time, I would say, in total darkness. And that's back when I was doing the intern work at our church, and I filled in after, before we went back to college for the youth pastor, because he had, Dick Ely had moved on to another ministry at the Furs. And I took the junior high kids. Some of you kids, Mark Lowen and those that age group, were in junior high. And we went down to... Uh, to, to Mount St. Helens when, when it was still the whole thing, you know. <laughs> and uh, we went down there and went swimming and so on. And then we went cave exploring with Gary Bedoich. Um, spelunking, they call it, or something like what? Spelunking. All right, thank you, Rich. Spelunking. I always thought it was spelunking. Anyway, so we went spelunking. Um, we went in this dark, dark cave with our lights, and then we turned the lights off. If you've ever been in a situation like that where there is absolutely no light, it was black. The Bible talks about in Egypt when there was the miracle of, of the darkness because it says in the Bible, says in the Hebrew, it was a darkness that could be felt. You ever been in that situation where you could feel it's so dark? Fascinating thing about that is it was so dark in Egypt, yet they had light over in Goshen where Israel was. Think of that. How could it be light there and be dark in Egypt and not see that light? The Bible says that the word of the prophets is like a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Isn't that beautiful? The morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand, Peter says, listen, no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of men. Or the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along or born, notice, by the Holy Spirit. This is one of our key passages that we use on the inspiration of God's Word. In our church, we hold a very high view of inspiration. We believe in, in, in the view, the verbal plenary view of inspiration. That's a historic Christian doctrine. Verbal means the words. We believe all the words of the Bible are given by God, not just the thoughts, but we believe the words were given to the prophets by God. Plenary means all. So we basically believe all the words in our Bible. When Elijah and Elisha spoke for God as prophets, they were doing exactly what Peter says. They were being borne along by the Holy Spirit. Elisha, when he told the king, take the, take the bow and shoot it, Take it and, and stomp it on the ground. Strike the ground with it. He wasn't just thinking up this stuff. He wasn't just thinking, well, this would be a good idea. I'm going to give him a picture. No. He was being carried by the Holy Spirit to say these things to the king. And the words of the prophets that they spoke were given by God as they were borne along by the Holy Spirit. So I want you to remember as we conclude this series that the ministry of the prophets they spoke the word of God to their community, to their people, to God's people, to their neighbors, to the foreign lands. Wednesday night, we are studying the minor prophets together. Gary's been teaching most of it. I, I teach some as well. 
and we're studying the minor prophets. And we're going through one at a time, and we are you know, prophets who speak to, to the Edomites, to the other nations. They, they, they are speaking God's word. And I just want to remind you this morning that the, the word of God that we have, every book in our Bible is written by a prophet. Because every book is, is sharing God's revealed word to us. This is why in our tradition, in the Protestant church, in the, in the, in the Orthodox true the tradition of the Christian faith, we do, not, we do not believe there is the gift of prophecy today because we no longer, you don't need me to come and reveal new truth to you. You don't need me to come and say, I know the Bible says this, but I want you to know what God's revealed to me. God's revealed to me something in addition to what Paul said about the... No, our responsibility today is to take the revealed word and be the voice of the prophets. To bring this word, to bring the words of Elisha and Elisha. To bring the words of the Apostle Paul, to bring it to our generation, to, re, to bring the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I understand, as we say, we say, you know, we use the term in the King James, rightly divided, meaning to understand or correctly handles, the NIV says, the word of life. And to understand when someone says today, well, why don't, why don't we offer sacrifices anymore? It's all over the place in the Bible. And we understand that, that, that understanding God's word handled correctly Rightly divided means we understand what God is doing today in the church age, the body of Christ. What God is doing for us. And we remember the words of, of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy, the other New Testament passage that speaks so directly to our understanding of scriptures. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, and the, the message of Timothy, Paul's last epistle, before he is going to be martyred for his faith, and he writes to, to, to Pastor Timothy and, and, and to encourage him. And the whole thing is, is really centered in this idea of Timothy, preach the word, preach the gospel, preach the message. Be a voice for the prophets. Be a voice for the apostles. Preach what God has given us. And we, and we come, Paul says in verse 10 of chapter 3, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, and all the things he mentions about his experience. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have been convinced of, because you know these from, from, you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy, Timothy as an infant, we have, we have nursery two and three year olds over in our building over here today. When our, your two and three year olds, when they, when they meet over here for church hour and Sunday school, yes, we have a lot of uh, playtime and activities and snacks, but we have the Word of God. Now, we don't sit down and ask our two and three-year-olds to memorize the Apostles' Creed or anything like that. You know, we're real, we're, 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 we do it age-appropriate. But they have a message from God's Word. Timothy, as an infant, was taught God's Word. And he says, Timothy, you know that from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are what? Able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He had the Old Testament scriptures. And the words of the Old Testament prophets were used as they came together with the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were, they were given, they were used to, to bring the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All scripture, not some, not part. This is why we believe in the plenary view that all scripture is God breathed. God breathed. All Scripture 
is God-breathed. And notice, the Apostle Paul says to the church, the body of Christ, all Scripture is useful. This is why we've been preaching from Elijah and Elisha. We preach from the entire Bible, the Berean Bible Church. We are the Berean Bible Church. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God, and we know this means everybody, the person of God, may be thoroughly equipped for what? Every good work. Do we believe in good works? You bet we do. Do we believe we're saved by good works? No, we don't believe that. We believe we are equipped and taught and are given the opportunity to do good works as evidence of our faith in Christ Jesus. The prophets spoke the revelation of God by inspiration. It's the first thing I want you to remember as we conclude this series on the prophets. And the New Testament prophets and the apostles likewise spoke the word of God to their community. And secondly, the prophets spoke passionately. They were passionately committed to their community. You know, this past week in our Bible reading, um, in our, in a, we are using the, the plan that we've suggested to you if you'd like to read through the Bible. And this past week, in reading in Jeremiah, and I got a little behind in our vacation, but you know what we do? We just pick up where we are. We don't beat ourselves and say, oh man, we got, you know, we, we go back and pick up. So we just picked up and we, and we were in chapter 38. And we were reading the stories of Jeremiah the prophet. You know, Jeremiah the prophet is, uh, of all the prophets, we have the most personal information about Jeremiah. We know more about Jeremiah personally than we do any other prophet. We, we have the stories, we have his, his feelings, we have you know, the lamentations, the weeping prophet. And you look at Jeremiah's ministry. And Jeremiah, like all the prophets, was so committed to their community, to their people. The idea of monasticism is foreign to the Old Testament. The idea of monasticism is foreign to the Old Testament. You do not see these people going off and, and living a, a monastic life, disconnected from their community. They are right in the middle of their community. They are, they are preaching, they are teaching, they are training prophetic students, if you will. There's a school of prophets during Elijah and Elisha's time. They are involved with their people. They are, these are, this, are, this is their community. This is their people. They're passionate about it. Elijah and Elisha. Elisha, the, the, the king, had such a relationship with a man who would call him to question all the time. And yet when he's going to die, he comes and he weeps over him. And says the, 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 the horses and the, the horsemen and the chariots of Israel. He knows that because Elisha was such a part of their community. You read these stories of Jeremiah and in chapter, chapter 38 of Jeremiah, verse 6, for example, they took Jeremiah, they put him into a cistern of Melchijah, the king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard. They lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. He had no water in it. Only mud, and Jeremiah sank down into this miry pit, this dank, dark, smelly cistern that was just full of mud, and they put him down there to die. And somebody comes and rescues him, and the story of wrapping the clothes up and, and pulling him out. He comes out of this cistern, Jeremiah, this great prophet. And then you find him next in, in, uh, in verse 20, saying to the king, Obey the Lord by doing what I tell you. It will go well with you. Your life will be spared. But if you refuse to surrender, this is what the Lord has revealed to me. The Word of God. And what Jeremiah has been given the message 
to preach to his community, to his people, this, this difficult message. The Babylonians are coming. Surrender. It's God's will. It's God's punishment. Go with them and you will be okay. But if you refuse, you will be punished. You will be destroyed. You will suffer. It's the contrary message to the soldiers and the king's, all the king's horses and all the king's men. You know, it's a contrary message. But it's the message of God. And because of it, he ends up in a pit. He ends up back in jail because of this message. He ends up seeing this come to fruition. He ends up with the, with the community in, in Judea, this remnant, this poor, desperate remnant. And he is there with them, continuing to preach God's word. He warns them, don't go down to Egypt. Don't do it. And they do it. And Elijah is this prophet who goes with God's people wherever they go because he is part of this community of God. I'm just reminded, you know, that we have a book in our library that I think Gunny told me we have two copies. Uh, this is a book on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a New York Times bestseller. And, actually, and it was a very, it was a bestseller in the New York Times, is what it says, and it was. I read this book when it first came out. Pastor, martyr, prophet, and, and spy. Um, he was a Lutheran uh, pastor, part of the Confessing Church in World War II in Germany. He represented uh, the multitude of Germans who, who, suffered, who suffered under Nazism, suffered as much as anybody else in Europe under Nazism. And students of his, seminary students that were sent off to Russia and other places and, and died in battle. And uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the Lutheran theologian. You know, he and I are going to have some differences on our theological beliefs, but we're in the household of God. And uh, part of the Confessing Church, Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer, um, in, this, in this book, tells a, tells a story how he died in concentration camp. He, he, he finally, he was a passionate, um, uh, against, against killing, he was a pacifist, but he finally joined the, the plot to kill Hitler. And because of that, he ended up in a concentration camp, and just, just at the very end, when he almost was, was, would have been freed, he was, he was martyred, he was killed in a concentration camp at Flossenburg uh, for his role. God put him in his community. He was in this community in Germany. It was a desperate situation. And yet he, 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 he wasn't a prophet and bringing revelation, but he was a pastor. And, and, he, and he had seminary students and others. And, and he had the scriptures. He was a voice of God. And he, and he died, but he was part of his community and, and tried to change it, tried to be a part of it. During this whole time, uh, you, you know the story of the Holocaust. And you know, um, in, in, these are pictures of children in Auschwitz that uh, their heads were shaved and they were tattooed. Uh, Joseph Mengele uh, pulled out the twins to do medical experiments. We, all, we, all, we know these stories. You know, today, uh, Pastor Kevin uh, recognized our veterans. And, you know, we understand that, that Veterans Day is not a Christian holiday in a sense. It's not in the Bible. It's not part of the Christian tradition like Easter and, thanks, and, and, and uh, Christmas. In our culture, we have Thanksgiving. In our culture, we have, we have holidays who work part of our community. And the reason we recognize these, the reason we have an American flag over here on this, this side over here and the Christian flag over here, it's not that, that, that we worship America uh, we worship God, and we belong to God first. But God has placed us. He's placed me in this community. He could have placed me in any community. My dad could have stayed on the island of Rhodes. My mom's 
uh, forebears could have stayed in Wales. I could have been English. Um, Teresa could have, parents could have stayed. She could have been in Sweden. Um, you know, but God put us here. And I believe in the sovereignty of God. And he, and he put me here as part of this community. And as, as part of this community, the reason we recognize, like our veterans today, is because this is part of our world that we recognize that God is placed in a place where we have, we have freedom. We're not perfect. We would never say that. But we have freedom. And, and people have fought for that freedom. And people have died and given their lives. This, this community in Europe, Americans went there, and Canadians and British and others, the United Kingdom, went there to, to free these people. It wasn't even their land. It was another country, but they went there because we are part of a bigger community as well. And the prophets were part of their community. When we were in the Island of Rhodes some years ago, and I know I've mentioned this before, but this is a monument that has been built since we were there, actually. This is the Island of Rhodes. And that is a monument to the, to the, to the Jewish community in Rhodes that my father was part of. And my father, if he had not left in 1920, uh, his name would be on that list of Shemarius. That's just one small clan of over a thousand that, were, that, were, that died in Auschwitz. That died in Auschwitz. And if he hadn't left, uh, his name would be up there. And at least half of me wouldn't be here today <laughs> because of that. And, but you know... It, it was, it was, it's part of the story and, and the reason we recognize our veterans today. And we have a, a friend over here, Jerry Snow, sitting right behind you, you guys right there, you teenagers. Jerry Snow was part of Patton's Army. And, and Patton's Army were one of the ones that helped liberate these concentration camps and free those children and those people. It, it's part of, we are a prophetic voice. And so we are part of the community, and this is why we acknowledge and recognize these, these things. Because this is, who, this is where we are, and God has placed us here. And for all you veterans that, that stood and, and, uh, this morning, the reason we, we, we show our thanks is because we are together in this community. The prophets spoke the word of God. The prophets, the prophets accepted, they accepted being offensive and unpopular. Elijah and Elisha were not popular. Jeremiah went to prison, was put in a dungeon, was put in a pit, suffered, even cried out to God. He was human, just like us, and cried out to God, God, why are you doing this? The the prophets were not popular. They suffered for what they did. The apostles, the apostles of Jesus Christ we're not popular. Yes, there were thousands that came to Christ. Our heritage is in that, is in that apostleship. The apostleship that, that was given to, especially to Paul for the body of Christ. Where we have the wonderful truth of what God is doing today in this body of Christ. Every one of those apostles, Peter, James, John, Paul, all of them were martyred for their Christian faith. They were not popular with the leaders. And they were willing to suffer and willing to not be popular and to be offensive. Uh, last night we saw on television, uh, maybe a lot of you saw this week, it was, on, it was on earlier on cable, we saw last night on, on network TV, Billy Graham. You know, Billy Graham, 
is a man um, who, again, you know, we're going to have some doctrinal differences, you know, within the These are in-house discussions, you know. This Thursday, I'll be meeting with pastors from all over the shoreline area for our monthly pastor's lunch. Um, last month, I sat next to a, a friend of mine, a pastor from a full gospel church down the street um, that I know, I've known for years. And, you know, we're going to disagree on some things, and we agree on a lot of things, but these are in-house discussions, Okay. Um, because we're in the same family. And our brother Billy Graham, you know, we saw him on TV and, and he's 95 years old and this is his last, you know, um, his last message. And he, he, what, what impacted me, other than the fact that um, how many people have come to Christ through his crusades and his ministry? Anybody here come to Christ through Billy Graham, Billy Graham crusade? Yeah, okay, sure would. Um, they're, they're all over the world. And, and continuing through the ministry of Franklin Graham and the work that, that goes on. But one of the things that Billy Graham said over and over again, over and over again in his message, that, that when he talked, when he had these testimonies, but when he talked, multiple times he said, the cross of Jesus Christ is offensive. It's not, it's not popular. It's not rational. It's offensive. Because it's a message that there is only one way to God. There's only one way to be forgiven for my sin. And that was through the ministry of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, where he died in my place, was buried, and he rose again. And there is no other name under heaven by which men and women can be saved. This is not popular. This is offensive. And while Billy Graham is, 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 is loved and revered and generally has, it is a positive, yet the message he, it's not popular. It's offensive. It's offensive to say that it's only through Jesus Christ that one can find salvation. But this is the message of the prophets. It was, they, it was not about being popular. It was about telling the people the truth of God's word. Finally, the prophets were faithful and committed to God. They did it anyway. There was only one prophet who was really not faithful, but he happened to be the most successful of the prophets. Who was that? Jonah. God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them to repent. I'm going to destroy them. Jonah went the other way, got in a boat, and went out to sea as far away. You know why he did that? It's not because he was afraid of the Ninevites. He was afraid that God would do what he said he would do. And the last thing he wanted was the Ninevites, the Ninevites to repent and be saved because they were Israel's arch enemy. And, 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 but he, he was, you know, swallowed by the whale. He came back. He went there. And you know what? You read all the prophecies in the Bible. He said one phrase and the whole city repented. He was the most successful of all the prophets. You know that? Repent. God's going to destroy this place. And the whole city, the king, from the king on down, put on, uh, you know, cloaks and ashes and shaved their heads and repented. And God saved that whole city. And what did Jonah say? I told you you were going to do that, God. Because <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. That's why I ran away. I knew you were going to do that. And he got mad at God. And he got, and God provided that plant that gave him shade. And God killed the plant. He got mad again. And God says, Jonah, you're doing well. You, you know, are you, are you sure this is okay? Here you are grousing, complaining about this plant, and yet these thousands that don't know they're right from the left, you don't really care about that I spared those people? 
Jonah was the only one who, who you know, but he was, he, he, was, he was effective. And he was faithful eventually. The prophets were faithful and they were committed to God. The prophets, Elijah and Elisha, they spoke the revelation by inspiration. And we have those words today. And this is why we believe in the inspired word of God. Because they were borne along by the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit's words that Elijah and Elisha spoke. And the apostles spoke. And of course, our Lord Jesus Christ spoke. This is why the Bible is the important part of this part of our service today. And in fact, all of our worship, the choir song, what John sang, the hymns, the prayer time, everything is connected to God's revelation for us today. The prophets were passionate about their community. And friends, God has, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, God has put you in this community. Your, your forefathers and foremothers could have gone anywhere. For whatever reason, you are here in this community, in Puget Sound. You are here. You are on the job where God has put you on the job. I speak to one of our elders before service this morning about his job and and what he's doing there. And God has put him there because that's where God wants him. God has put you in the school. God has put you in the community. God has put you in the apartment house. God has put you in the neighborhood. God has given you the relatives. By his choice, you are here, friends. You are here as part of this community. And the prophets were passionate about their community. And I hope that today... We are passionate about this Puget Sound area with all, the, all the, the, the bad stuff and the mistakes and the things we see, that this is where God has put us to be a light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is where we are. This is where we are. And the prophets did it. And they didn't go hide in the mountains. They stayed there and they spoke God's word. Prophets accepted being unpopular and offensive. And sometimes that's the way it's going to be. Sometimes it's going to be offensive. Sometimes you don't, you don't go out of your way. Listen, we're not called to try to be offensive. We're not, try, we're not called to be mean people and to be harsh people. We're called to be gentle, kind. Kind and gentle. But it's going to be offensive. It's going to be offensive to suggest that there is only one way of salvation through the cross of Calvary. But that's the ministry of God's Word. And the prophets were faithful and they were committed to God. I ask this morning as we close, is there a prophetic voice today? I've I've told you, I, I personally believe that the office and the gift of prophecy have been withdrawn. Why? Because we have the completed Word of God. In 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul says that, that the tongues and the and the knowledge and the prophecies and these voices, they will cease. Now, do you know things? Do we know things today? Of course we do. But the gift of special knowledge that God gave to the prophets, when, when someone in the early church stood up and spoke in tongues, and somebody got over here and interpreted it, these people were bringing revelation. They were acting as prophets. They were bringing God's message. We have God's message today. It's all here. We don't need to add any more to it. Is there a voice of the prophets today? Yes. And I want to say this carefully. This is one of the difficulties, being on the internet and everything else. You could slice this up and take it and say, wow, look what he taught. 
But I'm going to tell you today, is there a voice of the prophets today? Yes. It is us. Because we have been given the responsibility to bring this message of the prophets. Elijah and Elisha, Jeremiah, the Apostle Paul, Peter, James, John, they are no longer with us. You cannot hear their voices. But their words are here. Because it's God's word. And God has called you and God has called me to be the voice. Not just preaching from the pulpit. Not just teaching in our classrooms. But where you go this week, will you go this week and be a light and be a voice of the prophets? Where are the horsemen and chariots of God today? It's us. It's us. And God has given us the wonderful privilege in our community, in our world, of being people who are faithful and committed, who are okay with not always being popular. Sometimes it's going to be offensive. We are people who have some passion about our community. I'm loyal to this community. I was born and raised in Seattle. Born and raised in Green Lake area. or Now, it's, now I say Finney Ridge. That sounds better than Greenwood. I'm, I'm born and raised in Finney Ridge. I'm passionate about my community. Yeah, there's things I don't like. But it's where God put me. And we are fortunate today that we are the voice and can bring God's word. We are committed to this. And I want to encourage you this week, friends, be a voice of the prophets. Continue that tradition. Do what God has called us to do. Do what Paul told Timothy. The things you have learned from me in the presence of many other people, commit to other people who will continue this tradition. And here we are over 2,000 later, and we are carrying on that tradition. And it's a privilege. Let us be the voice of the prophets and continue that ministry as God allows us this week. Let's close our service. A song picked out. Our worship team does such a wonderful job of varying our services and leading us in worship. And we are going to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness, correct? That's correct. All right. Would you please stand? So, before you go, I just... I do have to just finish the uh, story of Elijah. It's really, it's really short. Elijah died and was buried. I had a friend one time who was going to write a book, and it was going to be called Believe It or Not, It's in the Bible. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once, while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. End of the story. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe one of you creative teenagers could write a song or a story or finish the story. Um, You know, but uh, that's kind of strange, isn't it? Threw him in the and it was long enough that there were just bones left. It touched the bones and guy came to life. Was it just a reminder to Israel that Elijah and Elisha brought life-giving words? I don't know. But we have the life-giving words of God. Forgiveness for sins and eternal life through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you maybe tonight. We're going to...
be in Romans tonight. See you next Sunday. Be sure and buy your tickets for the Thanksgiving dinner and the women's tea and walk with God this week.